Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, what's going on? It's Ryan. Welcome to another episode of the Best of the DA Show here on a Target Demo Friday. The question of the day was, does Pete Bellotti have a gambling problem? That was because in our cold open, Phil Mickelson has supposedly gambled over $1 billion. That, that's right, $1 billion. We also have the best audio of the day in soundcheck, including Zach Gelb, Mixing two of the worst things ever. You have ranch and ice cream. Peter Schwartz was stunned to a news. We also had Sounds of Saturday with UCF Football's Mark Daniels. And we have an epic fail. Let's go. First things first, let's tee it up on this Friday morning. No porta potties, though, on the course, as per Pete's request. Uh... Phil Mickelson's a gambler. That is not breaking news. The amount that Phil Mickelson may or may not have gambled, that's the news. That's where we begin. That's your cold open. Uh, what are we playing for? What are we playing for? I haven't thought about that. You what do you mean you have thought about it? What, what were you thinking about? Okay, well, Cameron and I will play you guys. You play uh, nine holes for a G. Perfect. Uh, straight best ball. When you're closed out, you can press for half. Not the full? Not the full. Okay. So you got to win the match to win. If you want, what we'll do is we'll go 28. If you shoot 28 best ball, uh, it's double. Camo and I, we don't do Venmo, PayPal, any of that bullshit. Like straight cash. cash. Yeah, there you go. Great nice job. That's fine. Nice. We're going to press, though. Yeah. Oh, or, of course you are. Yeah. It's tough when you shoot what? Six oh, under? What a two. Six under in eight holes? Yeah. Oh, oh, that makes it double. I forgot. Almost. Uh, that's right. Yeah, press for half. It's for 500. Phil? Bye, dude. Enjoy being with you, man. That was awesome. Was fun. Congrats, my man. Yes, sir. Totally different topic. The talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out uh, about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what the your reaction, what the reaction in there was when you read about it. Um, I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it. So. I don't believe it. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. Standing ovation for Rory McIlroy. That was the last voice you heard there in the cold open, taking a driver to the gut of Phil Mickelson. If you don't know the story by now, and the excerpts from this book that were released yesterday, that's Rory addressing the lead accusation in this memoir that Phil Mickelson tried to place a $400,000 bet on the Ryder Cup in 2012 for Team USA to win with Phil playing for Team USA. Now, Mickelson strongly denies that allegation, but that's the headliner, and that's where we get Rory's snark that I am here for all the time. Rory's been fighting the good fight for the from day one of this battle with Liv, and Phil often is the lead voice on the other side of things, and McElroy is not back down, even though the PGA Tour completely deserted him in this fight, hung him out to dry. 
He's still fighting, still throwing elbows, still throwing barbs. So I'm here for Rory, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But let me just walk you through all of this in case somehow you've missed this story. And I guess from our vantage point, the fear for me is that this is Pete the Body Bilotti's future. Now, again, oh, it, it begins with nickels and dimes and dollars and $5, and then very soon it's 858 bets of at least 220 k God forbid Bilotti ever makes Phil Mickelson money. Look out. I mean, making it rain. Sports books, gambling guys, running numbers on the corners. I can't work seven jobs. Look out. Maybe just one will become that lucrative, Pete. Or maybe, you know, maybe you can brand Pete versus. It becomes a board game or an app. And then the money starts rolling in and it starts rolling back out, betting on whatever you want to bet on. But this book, it's a memoir. And I think Armin Katayan, who's been on this show and is a very well-known actual journalist, I think he helped write this. It's about Billy Walters, a Vegas businessman and, I don't know, the self-proclaimed best gambler ever. And he and Phil had a partnership. I guess Mr. Walters was so good at winning money and bet so much money that casinos, sports books, all the legal ways you can bet would limit his action because... They could not. The house couldn't win enough against him. So they would limit what he could do. So he would eventually partner with people and bet through them because they didn't have those limitations. And he would just take a cut of their action. So they're like partners. And Phil was one of those partners from roughly 2006 through 2014, basically. So the numbers that this guy is throwing around in this book, some of them are actually concrete because he knows he had access to the same accounts that Phil did. So he knows what Phil was doing. Now, the estimation from this book that Phil has bet over $1 billion in his lifetime is a number we can't know for sure. But we don't necessarily need to know the specific number to know that it's an obscene amount of money. A money that seems incomprehensible comprehensible to 99.9% of us until Pipilotti gets there and we go along for the ride. In year 701 of this show, based on its current output, as we slowly increase the increments, Pete will eventually get there when DA's great-great-grandson is hosting this show. That's when Pete will be wagering this amount of money on stuff. Won't be here. Because Phil Mickelson once started with nickel bets on the Mets money line. And now look what Phil's doing. And the headline again is the one accusation that really matters and the one that Phil specifically denies and the one that brought the great Rory line from yesterday is that in 2012, he called Billy Walters and wanted to bet $400,000 on him and Team USA winning the Ryder Cup. Now, they did not win the Ryder Cup that year. There was a great final day rally by the European team. The book says, because Billy Walters in the book says he immediately dismissed Phil's call and said, what are you doing? You can't ruin this. You can't bet on yourself in the Ryder Cup to win. The book says, you know, who knows if Phil ever found somebody else to put the bet for him. So maybe Phil lost his shirt and the Ryder Cup simultaneously. Mickelson denies that. I don't know that I need verification on that to get to this point. 
let's just have Phil sit out the rest of the golf conversations. Let's just do that as we weed through all the PGA Live Golf nonsense, how the PGA Tour is going to let the guys who left for Live come back, how they are going to make whole the players that stuck with them and didn't take Live's tens and twenties and hundreds of millions of dollars to go over there as we figure out just how shady the PGA Tour is in general and the Live Golf organizers are as well, we can talk to a lot of people. We can hear from multiple different voices. Let's just leave Phil alone. Let's just leave Phil out of it. He's going to keep talking. Let's just ignore it. Because in some form or fashion, he's just compromised here. He's got a gambling problem. He's admitted that. It's a real thing. No No knocking addiction. No dismissing it understand the problems and I guess in a weird way thank God Phil Mickelson made boatloads of cash playing golf because he probably would have bet as almost regularly as he does now if he didn't have any money and if he didn't have any money he might be divorced homeless living on the streets without a penny to his name with dude trying to hunt him down and beat the you know what out of him because he owes them so much money because this problem is probably going to happen no matter what. He just has a well-funded problem. So when it comes to needing a voice of reason or having any kind of adult in the room, though, I just can't listen to him now. Because it's plausible. Very plausible. Based on all the other things that we know that Phil has confirmed that he gambled incessantly on everything... Winning, losing six, nine figures of money. He's just not qualified anymore to be in this conversation. We're going to need some kind of maturity, some kind of accountability, some kind of confidence in the type of people we're dealing with here. So no thanks on Phil. Like, that's enough. This is the end of the road for Phil having his own quips and his own shots back at the PGA Tour. Maybe he's right. The PGA Tour is going to deserve a lot of the heat they're going to get, and we should never forget that and never let them off the hook. We just don't need Phil in that fight. But man, oh man, can you imagine just assuming all of these numbers? And again, a lot of them are, we know them. We don't know the high end. We don't know whether Phil actually crossed the $1 billion plateau in gambling. But we do know a lot of the bets that he placed because this dude can look at their accounts and see what Phil did. So there's a lot of fact in these numbers. It's not all guessing. Can you imagine? Imagine having all of that money with the ability to get rid of it and lose so much of it and then win so much of it. It is, this is nuts to me. When when this story came out yesterday, before we even got to the potentially betting on the Ryder Cup he was in, I just, It's hard to wrap my head around, and I've gotten good at forgetting and dismissing and overlooking contract numbers and team value. We discussed those this week, too. None of the numbers make sense. But this one was staggering. Staggering. Even if it's not a billion dollars, it might be hundreds of millions of dollars. It's crazy. And this is the stuff we know about. This is the stuff that there's a paper trail of. I just... Phil, and I've know people in and around golf both from the you know the media side of things people that work in the industry Phil's one of those guys that you either love him because he does all this stuff because he's a guy's guy and you're always having fun and whatever and then he's and then there's people like Rory who can't stand him 
There's like no middle ground on Phil. It's one or the other. He either skeeves you out or you think he's the coolest dude in the room. And I'm starting to skew towards being skeeved out by him. But Petey, again, I just want I want you to use this as, as an example, as a learning experience. Guardrails are important. Okay? In many ways. Don't forget, if you ever need help, I'm here. Ryan Botcher, one through six, they're all here. Oh, even six? And you can call 1-800-GAMBLA if you ever, if we are not there for you. A lot? A billion, could you, a billion dollars? I would lose mine over five dollars. Well, again, you're also, um, this is the voice of a guy who's afraid to bet five dollars. So, like, this is so far out of my realm of, like, my reality. I think that's why it's so staggering. That he's got extra billion dollars over years and years and years to gamble on the Rangers, the Giants, the Vikings, whatever. And again, this is the stuff that there's a paper trail on. Who knows how much money? And you heard the clip at the beginning of Cold Open of him just organizing bets on the golf course. I, I can't imagine the amount of money that has changed hands unofficially and, there. And he's not the only one. No, of course not. But he may be the worldwide leader in value. Or in money spent. That, that was one game of nine holes. All of that one clip. Right. There was nine holes. And he made that many bets. Yeah. Half of it I don't even understand. It was going so fast. But I just, it's 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 unbelievable. So that sounds like somebody with a real problem. Oh, I mean, he does. I mean, he's admitted it. He's had, I, I think it's been, pro- right. you know, he's, he's had personal problems because of it. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know how that's been in under, any way under control. It's a real problem. So I have sympathy for that, that he can't stop. But at some point, you have to address the situation and, like, and, and again, put guardrails on things. And mm-hmm. one of them is, okay, you're out of the conversation. You're out of the big boy conversation now. You're disqualified. We'll talk to other people about what's good for golf and where golf should go and how these two groups should be friends again. Yeah, this should, be invo- this should have some type of break from active competition. Yeah. Well, and, right, and I mean, now, I don't think Live Golf cares at all, but if he was a PGA Tour golfer, I'm sure they already know. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy ever, but I still believe the one about Jordan playing baseball because he was in trouble gambling. Oh, I, I, I think of all of them, that's, that's a, I think, a very true one. I don't, think you can, I don't think you can change my mind on that. I think even what McCullough tried to because Jordan was behind it and he would have liked to have changed my mind on uh-huh. it. But I'm always going to believe that one. So I can't imagine the file that the PGA Tour has and what they know about Phil. But, I mean, if he was still an, a really, truly active, prominent PGA Tour player, a guy that was, you know, in the top 10 in the world, still winning regularly, maybe winning majors, and we found out that he maybe one time tried to bet on himself in the Ryder Cup, the investigation you have to unleash to figure things out from what he was doing at the John Deere Classic, would be immense. Well, I even even with Liv Golf, I think Liv, I think Liv Golf, it would be in their best interest to tell him to go home for a year or so. I mean, I think it, it, you know, do the right thing. But you know, that's a very weird statement to say around that organization. It feels a little like um, they would have preferred you to make the bets on camera for them. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a sports like, book on the holes. Right. No porta potties <laughs> after the second green, but there is a kiosk for you to bet That's on yourself right. on the third hole. And an ATM. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. Welcome back to a Summer Fry DA here on CBS Sports Radio. Bogus, Bilotti, Botcher, Schwartz, all here with you until 10 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for being with us. Here we go with Soundcheck. Here we go with Rick Barry. You've heard this before. Old guy upset at young guys in the same sport. This is Rick sitting down with Joy D'Angela. I mean, you look at some of the contracts they have, even, you know, like Brown, you know, $306 million. I mean, uh, that's just hard for me to believe. I mean, you know what his his average in the playoffs for them is 18.5 points a game. I mean, 18.5 points a game, and he's making, and he's going to make $69 million in the last year of his contract. That's, great. that's a lot of but money, 18, right? But 18.5, 18.5 points a game, is that's nothing. Seriously, to pay somebody that kind of money, and he's a nice player, I really like him, but man, he's got to improve his game. He turns the ball over too much, he tries to force things, and so is his teammate Tatum. That's one of the reasons they lost to the Warriors two seasons ago. They make too many turnovers. In the game of basketball, you must say, there's a saying, keep it simple, stupid, okay? Keep it as simple as possible. You take what the defense gives you. So Rick is not wrong in that there are plenty of things to to pick at when it comes to Jalen Brown's game, Jason Tatum's game too. There are there are basketball reasons why the Celtics have not gotten as far as people think they should have gotten, whether those thoughts came now or three or four years ago. They're valid thoughts. But the problem is, and it's, you know, at times annoying that we keep doing this, trying to attach direct value from a player's stats to his salary is just a waste of time now. It's never going to make sense unless you're talking about the very, very best in the planet, on the planet. You know, LeBron, whatever Otani gets, what Mike Trout is getting, whatever Connor McDavid makes in the NHL, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes. It's, there's not many people who are going to even come close to matching on-field value and contract value. The numbers are just out of control, and they're just they're not going to change. And in Jalen Brown's situation, someone was going to give him that money. Someone was going to give him absurd hundreds of millions of dollars because that's just how it goes. So the question then is, what should the Celtics have done? And we had that conversation. Do you trade Jalen Brown, let somebody else pay him, and recoup those assets and either use them right away or turn them into something else and give yourself that kind of facelift? The Celtics didn't do that. They kept Jalen Brown. They kept Jason Tatum. They're going to pay Tatum the same contract basically a year from now. So that's the conversation, not the, I can't believe they're making so much money. You're never going to believe that. So why even waste time with those with those emotions? Let's stay in the NBA. Let's go back in time. This may be before Ryan Botcher was born. I'm not sure. A rookie Dirk Nowitzki apparently did not know how to use the AC in his car. Here's Dirk and Rachel Nichols on Headliners. So I was only there for like two, three months, and I was, I'm was i not, I'll take my time. I'll buy a car in my year two. When I come back, I have right. time. And so my year one, I just had a rental car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was driving it around. It worked great. And, of course, the players are always killing me when I drove up to practice or the, the plane, and they were like, what are you doing? It was just like a little, little, little car. 
I'll come to the games and I'll be, I'll be sweating. And guys are like, what are you doing? I walk in the, in the locker room sweating a bit and, uh, and they're like, why are you sweating? I was like, well, it's super hot. I, I drove with, with the window down. And then somebody actually came to the car and said, see this AC button there? You have to actually push that in. Mm -hmm. And then the AC comes on. I was like, oh, I was wondering how that worked. These are good stories. These are always good stories. Guys coming from different countries, from small towns, they get to the big city, they get to a new country, and like they just don't know how things work. Now, I would argue, I don't know how you don't know how to turn the AC on in your car, but if there's a sweet innocence to like, here's the first time I'm doing something as an adult in a new place, it's endearing. My favorite one, and this actually might be more stupidity than anything else, but the story of Ricky Henderson and his first paycheck in the majors and the A's were like, uh, Ricky hasn't deposited his check yet. It was still just an outstanding money floating out in the ether. And when they asked him, he said he had framed it because he was so proud to finally get it. And it meant so much to him. Didn't realize he should have put it in the bank first. And then when the bank gave it back to him, he could have framed it then. He framed a live, valid money check instead of putting it in his bank. So that's probably more, like, stupid than anything else, but I still like those stories. Do we like these kind of stories is your question before the last bit of sound check. It's our good friend Zach Gelb. I feel like it's been a while since we've heard from Gelby in sound check. Zach is not doing his show, at least as of yesterday. He's filling in with Maggie. He's playing the role of Perloff. So musical chairs all over the place on the network this week. I don't know the full backstory here, but it involves... Philly shortstop Bryson Stott and then Gelb eating ice cream with ranch dressing on it yesterday on Maggie and Perloff. This is chunky. Oh, that looks so bad. I'll give you so a healthy bad. portion. <laughs> that looks... Hey. This is the... Look at the... It just drips. It's, it's gross. all in there. All right. All right, he's taking a bite. Oh, no. Oh, he shuddered. Oh. It's bad, the menthol actually helps because it gives me some flavor. Oh, no. Suckers! <laughs> we you helped know what? you. It's not terrible. He took another bite. He likes it. Okay, so can anybody walk me through the specifics here of the Bryson Stott connection? Was he really just putting ranch dressing on ice cream? Did he eat the ranch dressing ice cream that, you mentioned, that we mentioned on this show? What was going on here? Nothing? Crickets? We got nothing? So it was like, so they had the free ice cream here yesterday, Correct. Right? So he got, I guess assuming he got the ice cream, and then he just got a bottle of ranch dressing for salad, and he okay. poured it in there. He put a generous amount, you could say, of ranch in that, and he basically almost finished the whole cup. And so, do we know how Bryson Stott's connected to this? I, does Bryson Stott Bryson, do this? Maybe he does something like this. I'm not 100% sure, but if it is, it's still weird. I mean... They had that ice cream flavor coming out. Right, which we did, I think we did on Stunts with News, right. the ranch dressing flavor of ice cream from Hidden Valley and somebody, and that's unacceptable. And we were smart enough not to try that on the show. I think 2014, 2016, I don't remember the history here, but the year of ranch dressing is long in the past. But I still love ranch dressing. It's my favorite salad dressing dip some carrots and cut up cucumbers in there as a snack. Big ranch dressing guy. It can go on a lot of things. It can't go on ice cream. There's no way 
that any flavor of ice cream tastes good with ranch dressing on top of it. <laughs> okay, so... No. So, it was a report from an announcer saying that he would put it and eat it. But according to this article I'm reading, it's fake. So, Taryn Hatcher uh, is lying. She's So, she's reported that Bryson Stott yeah. puts ranch dressing on his ice cream. Yeah, it was during a Royals-Phillies game, and it made fans disgusted. As, as it should. into a beer. There should be rules about these things. Some things just don't go together. And if you put them together, that's something that needs to be figured out about you. Whoa! And this is on the list. But, Bilotti, as a programmer, as a boss... Hi. Do you think that we need a network-wide moratorium on eating bits? It feels like they're coming fast and furious recently. I feel like there's a lot. It's a lot, right? There's a lot of them. I, I don't look. I don't mind a, a good, uh, a good uh, food battle. Don't mind it at all. Uh, everyone loves food, right? Uh, but but any good idea can be overused, right? I don't want to be hitting the head constantly with it. And you know, we we do them, and we well, the last one we did was oddly mean from Da when he sabotaged, tricked all of us by eating horrible. Oh, Awful, gross Asian snack chips <laughs> tasting like the bottom of the ocean, not sour cream and onion. Ugh. So we do that. We, we do these, but that's the last one we did, and that was weeks ago. And there's not another one on the horizon. Good. We're gonna let it breathe. Let it breathe. It's like cop shows, like cop shows and Ooh. hospital shows. Now, all right. So, oh, but but cop shows make millions of dollars. <laughs> and I also very different. <laughs> I'd rather watch 18 cop shows than 18 food bits on radio shows. Potato, potato, same thing. The reason why cops was around for years. Yeah, you give me the first 48 marathon, I'm in. But I don't need to watch another person eat hot wings or a full jar of this or whatever. And judge shows too. Never, never, never could get behind a judge show. I could. They're too, stu- they're too stupid. I never understood, like, do they, does this really count? Do I really owe you $5,000 if we leave here? They were too fake for me. A small claims court. Yeah, I just, no thanks. What about uh, family disputes, like Jerry Springer? No, no. And I like, I, I watch a lot of bad TV. I, that's just not part of the, part of the lineup. And Amori, when the cameras chase people after saying you're not the father or you are the father it's great no because even that at some point like there was i saw one where like it was like phobias oh, and he yes. would just kept bringing out yes. what people were afraid of and some of them were odd and you're like why green you... olives was right one of them. and that lady almost died <laughs> and that was funny for a little bit but then i'm like she's gonna die over green olives it's funny it's not she can't how die mu- how much of that was staged though it's i so would hope ridiculous. all of it but again give me a below deck any any version, sailing yacht, down under, straight below deck, and I'm there. A but sailing I, yacht stinks. Sorry. I don't need Judge Judge Wapner Wapner anymore. Wapner, <laughs> I got the end in there. Wapner, he's I got a, there. He's in the the Judge uh, Show Hall of Fame. It, it should be him alone. Judge Judy and Doug Llewellyn. <laughs> Doug Llewellyn, him, Harvey Levin, and uh, Judge Judy. Do we need to retire, by the way, Detective Milkshake? And if we do, do we introduce Judge Whopper into the mix? Judge Whopper. I like Judge Whopper. Yeah? He's, like, dressed up as the, um, you know, the different color Whoppers, like the green. You know how they, they yeah. change it for the holidays? 
I think there's I think there's there's ways to go there as we move forward and figure out what bits can continue and what should go away. You have Judge Whopper along with the Hamburglar, Grimace, all those. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. It is tipped off. And Lewis going on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown, over. Touchdown, over. Got a block for Brock. 50, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Touchdown, Boston College. He did it. He did it. Cody did it. All of Oh my God! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. It's the sounds of Saturday every morning on CBS Sports Radio. Blake back, blindside pressure coming, steps out, buys time. Looks and goes down the middle. Wharton, he overthrows. Oh my God! He caught it! He caught it! Oh, what a catch! Uh, that is the voice of our next guest, and since I'm not a good host, I'll only tell you now that you're about to hear Mark Daniels. You can also see him. He's joining us on Zoom, so watchda.com, YouTube, Twitch. You're getting to see the voice of UCF football with us here this morning. Mark, it is Andrew in New York. Thanks so much for the time, and happy almost football season. Yeah, how about that? We're just a few weeks away, and uh, you guys took me back to that memorable season 10 years ago for UCF, uh, the First Fiesta Bowl year, that great play by Blake Bortles and J.J. Wharton in Philadelphia against Temple. Great memories. And, Mark, you've got a lot of them. This is well past 20 years for you with the school. So, I mean, you're as good as anybody to talk about just the rise of this program, a baby in FBS, and now a very deserved member of the Big 12. Yeah, UCF is the youngest Power 5 school in the country. My first year was in 1995, and Dante Culpepper was a freshman. 
Um, and back then, UCF was making the transition of what then was known as 1AA to Division One. And to watch the growth over the years as an independent to members of the MAC Conference USA in the Big East for about an hour and a half, and then the American <laughs> for the last decade, and now into the Big 12. It's been a meteoric rise, as you mentioned. While it's about 30 years in college football years, it's not that long. So UCF has done a great job of growing its brand over the years, playing an exciting brand of football, a great fan base, the youngest alumni base in the country. So a lot of things going in the right direction as they embark on a new era of UCF sports in the Big 12. Day-to-day on the field during camp, does anything feel different now that they're officially Big 12 members, or that just more about like media days and that kind of stuff? Oh, no. From the time, you know, it's almost two years now since an announcement was made about UCF going to the Big 12, and it's just been a different vibe. You know, when Gus Malzahn came here as the coach, we were not yet in the Big 12, didn't know that invitation was coming. Uh, but I think Gus and his staff have done a great job the last couple of years of preparing the football team from a roster standpoint, talent-wise, for the season to come. I think the fans certainly have had a level of excitement with a, uh, a new set of rivals to uh, get to know, new destinations to travel to. I think it's obviously gotten more real now as the season gets closer, uh, just three weeks away. What is, not not this year, Mark, but like big picture, what do you think the ceiling for this program is now that it's in a Power 5 league? Well, look, I've said this for many years, uh, even before UCS run uh, of late, you go back to the arguments made about Boise State and other programs is that, you know, the argument was, well, that's nice, but can you do that playing in one of those leagues? I mean, the argument was, are we going to give them the same resources and money? I mean, if we do, then let's see how they stack up. But I think it's an interesting time for UCF to join uh, the Big 12, which is no question to step up. But if I asked you to guess the favorites for the next decade in the SEC and the Big Ten, you could probably guess the four or five teams that are going to annually be among the contenders. The great thing about where the Big 12 is right now is I don't think you can answer that question. Somebody may emerge in the next couple of years. But I think it's been one of the most wide-open leagues the last few years in college football. The depth from one down to eight or nine has been uh, uh, not that big of a separation. So I think it's a really interesting time to step into the Big 12. UCF certainly is going to be challenged to raise their level of competition. But um, I think UCF's got a great opportunity to continue to recruit at a high level, which they're doing right now. Florida has no shortage of talented players here. Uh, it, it, it's a destination for a lot of reasons. So there's a really good trajectory going on. You have to go out and prove it. But I think UCF's in a really good place right now as they step into this new Big 12. What is, because there's going to be, Mark, there's going to be bumps in the road stepping up into a bigger league like this. What's the patience level around the program right now? Uh, for fans, none. I mean, the expectation, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you go undefeated in 2017 and 18. I think that's supposed to happen every single year. Look, I think fans understand the 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 challenge here in the sense of now a nine-game conference schedule, that, that grind, that extra game does matter. Now going to environments that are just different. I've said this, the American was a great conference for UCF, but there were some places you play that there was not a very large crowd. Now you're going to play at places that are sold out every single game. And you got to be able to handle that environment. You hope to do the same when teams come to your place. So I think there's that part of it. Are you ready for the grind and the expectation of what lies ahead? But I think it's an exciting time. Again, I think Gus has done a really good job of building this team up using the portal in the last few years with a mix of talented high school players that he's positioned himself that I think they're ready for that talent jump on the field. Look, I mean, UCF's got quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. The, the, the question usually is, is the quality of your lines, your offense and defensive lines. Are they ready for that challenge 
of the quality that you're playing on a week-to-week basis. I think we'll find that out about UCF this season. If Gus or the AD or you, in, a, in a, an extreme moment, moment of honesty, and I said, what is the kind of the target date for peak Big 12 performance? Would you say this year? Would you say 2025? Like what, if there's a target date to really be in full step in the conference, when, what would it be? Well, look, I think Gus and the staff will say that they want to contend for the title this year. I do think that, you know, you take a look and, and, and say, could UCF use a couple more recruiting cycles uh, to feel like you're now on par? Look, right now, UCF has the highest recruiting class projected in 2024 in the Big 12 now. So if you can get a few more of those recruiting classes, uh, then I think you feel like you're stacked up. From a revenue standpoint, remember, UCF and the other schools coming in this year, they're not getting full shares for a couple of years. Um, the four Pac-12 schools are beginning next year. So you're going to have to, uh, again, escalate an investment standpoint. UCF's overall athletic budget is still something that they're trying to increase to the tune of about $30 million the next couple of years. So I think that's a fair answer is to uh, continue to, to rise, give Gus and his staff a couple more years to recruit at the level they're recruiting now. And then I think UCF believes that they have as good as a chance as anybody to compete on a yearly basis. They know in a 16-team league, it's challenging, but I think they feel like they have so many advantages that there's no reason to think they are not able to contend in the coming years. You mentioned how good the recruiting has been, especially as of late. It, it, I'm assuming most people are surprised by that, that it's happened this quickly, that are pulling in this level of talent. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, this is the highest rated class at the moment that UCF has ever had. And depending on what service you look at, 23, 24, 25, the caliber of player that Gus has been able to get in is something UCF's not had before. It was a really big deal if you landed a four-star kid at UCF. Well, right now in a you know committed class, Gus has nine, um, and he's not done. Um, so it's selling the vision of the program, of what they have, the facilities they're going to build, the quality of the league they're playing in, the opportunity uh, you know, to play in the college football playoff. And, you know, sometimes what happens with recruiting classes, you get a few guys, they become your best recruiters. They start to get other guys say, hey, let's go down here and do something unique and special. But Gus is a great recruiter. I mean, he really is. And, you know, UCF, like a lot of schools, they're challenged in an NIL world. But at the same time, I think they feel like their collective's in a good place to give them a chance to compete in that market for players. And so far, the results, again, at least verbal commitments, looks as if they're building a very special class. This is the voice of UCF football. Mark Daniels with us here. Sounds of Saturday on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Um, you know, Mark, we're, you and I are becoming quick friends here. The problem, though, is as much as I love UCF, this show is very deeply connected to Boise and the Broncos, and you guys go there for game two. I'm not sure how we, as a show, how we can handle that, that game on September 9th. Uh, biggest game of the year for UCF. I tell people that, that you know there's a level of excitement about the uh, Big 12 schedule in those nine games, and we're challenged by four home, five on the road, go to Oklahoma, go to Kansas State. Um, but the Boise State game is so significant. UCF opens with Kent State. You go out to Boise State, such a tough place to play. A football team that came to Orlando a couple of years ago, and UCF won that game. You look how Boise finished the season last year, very talented quarterback. Their offense seemed to kind of start clicking again. Uh, tough place to play. If you win, you come home for Villanova, you think you're 3-0 going to Kansas State and then Baylor at home and you feel pretty good. If you lose, it kind of has a little bit of a, 
you know, uh, wind taken out of your sails. So I tell people, be excited about the Kansas State game uh, to, to kick off the Big 12 era. Be excited about Baylor at home on the 10th anniversary of us beating Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. But the Boise State game is such a pivotal game for UCF. Uh, and believe me, UCF's not looking past a tremendous respect for what the, the Broncos are all about. Am, am I remembering this correctly? When they came down by you, did you guys have a crazy weather delay and play that game like at 11 o'clock at night? Uh, the game was delayed because of a, a, a rain and a lightning. Uh, so we did have a delay. Uh, the game uh, did start late. We finished, uh, I think, just before 1 a.m. Okay. On uh, uh, the next day. So it was uh, two days to win a hard-fought football game, yeah. Uh, Mark, this was fun. Congrats on, you know, being there from kind of day one. It must be amazing to see. So congrats even to you. Enjoy the Big 12. Uh, best of luck. Safe travels this season. I'm sure we'll get you again during the year, too. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. You, too. That's Mark Daniels, the voice of UCF. As sounds of Saturday continue. <laughs> And now, it is time to get started. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. I think, Bogues, this has to be the worst nightmare for anyone who goes to the bathroom, puts Uh-oh. the seat down, okay, and sits, okay, like a scene out of a horror movie. Michelle Lespron returned to her Tucson, Arizona home to find a snake had set up camp in her toilet. I'd been gone for four days and was looking forward to using my own restroom in peace. Mm-hmm. I lifted up the lid, and he or she was curled up. Lesbron told the Associated Press, thank God the lid was closed. The hysterical encounter happened. I didn't say that. That's in the story. Oh, okay. I I can't take credit for that. Fine. Uh, Encounter happened July 15th. But Lesbron has been getting messages from family, friends, and even people she went to high school with since Rattlesnake Solutions, a Phoenix-based company that removed the snake, recently posted an employee's video. Everybody has the same reaction. Oh, my God. That's my worst nightmare. Other (laughs) people thought it was a prank video, and the snake was a prop. Even my law partner was like, ha-ha, nice gag, she said. Les Bryan said her father tried to wrangle the snake that same night, but it slithered away, so she called Rattlesnake Solutions the next morning. It took the handler, who Les Bryan called her hero, three tries to get the black and pink coach whip snake firmly in his grasp. He was able to wrestle the snake with one hand while capturing it all on his cell phone with the other. So the snake was in the toilet bowl or in the tank part? It was in the toilet bowl. So she opens it up to sit down, goes, holy crap. Holy crap, smacks it right down. And it took a company to come and get it out of the toilet bowl. And you said Tucson, huh? Tucson. So Rattlesnake Solutions could have been the presenting sponsor of Big Baby and the Landfill if that show had become reality. It could have yeah. been presented by Rattlesnake Solutions. Here's the Sun Twin News part to me. Big Baby and the Landfill. Brought to you by your friends at Rattlesnake Solutions. Did you open up the crapper and almost <laughs> get zapped? Call us. Um... The fact that Tucson, Arizona needs a company 
called rattlesnake solutions is a problem yeah. for me. <laughs> I crossed that off my list of destinations. The fact that there are enough problems with rattlesnakes that need solving, that a company was created and continues to exist, that's a red flag for me. It is. And Brian Hughes, who's the owner of Rattlesnake Solutions, said it wasn't the first time his staff has seen a coach whip snake in a home, though it's rare to find reptiles in residences. Fortunately for Les Brown, the species non-venomous, still she was taking no chances. After her reptile run-in, Les Brown used her guest bathroom for three weeks before feeling comfortable enough to go back to her own. And she no longer enters the bathroom in the dark and always lifts the lid ever so slowly. The assumption being that the snake came up through the pipes? Yeah. Is that what they're guessing? Yeah. Now, we there was a stun recently where somebody found an animal that was too big for the pipes to get in, and we couldn't figure out how it would have climbed back up through the sewer system. There was like some kind of like woodland creature, I feel like, in the tank. But anyway, at least this physically makes sense yeah. that the that the snake could slither its way through the pipes, come up through the toilet, and stays in the nice, dark, cool... Yeah, I mean, could you go to the bathroom again in any bathroom for the next couple of days after that happened to you? I'm surprised she went back even after three weeks. I don't know how you'd ever believe that it wouldn't happen again. Like, what could somebody tell you about snake-proofing your drainage system that they're never going to crawl their way back into your house? I... <laughs> I I don't know what I would do. If that was my house, ha- I, I don't know what I would do. You burn it down. Oh, you hate snakes. I don't like snakes. So this is really your worst nightmare. It's not the worst. Like, it didn't like... It's like a venomous snake would have been right. 10 times worse. Sure. But at the same time, I would never live where there's potential snakes up the pipes. Right. So that wouldn't happen to me. I, I can deal with rats. Pete. Now, now if, the, if the snakes only ate rats and didn't disturb me, fine. Come in the house. Have yeah. a good time. <laughs> you'll, you'll host yeah. them? Yes. Because, Pete, because bed they breakfast for- I, I'll burn down the house if I have a, a bunch of rats. Right. I think Pete would name the snake J- uh, Damien. Or Jake. Jake. Right. Yeah. Now... I was the leader in this for a while. Then Pete overtook me. We both have had a lot of um, unique house problems, some bad luck. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised this has not ha- happened in some form. Has not happened to you already, Pete? That something has crawled well, into not. somewhere in your house. <laughs> I hope not. No, like, oh, there's it, a gator. Well, yeah. The, no, I, I would think that I am very secure in my location where I am now with that stuff. Right. There are a lot of problems in our neck of the woods, but one of them appears to not be dangerous amphibians and reptiles coming through the pipes. We have a lot of we have a lot of uh, grounds opening up by us. We, we've had we yes yeah, sinkholes are a problem. That is a thing. Um, rising waters might be a thing. Dirty water is <laughs> a thing. A woman got bit by a shark. In New York City the other day. A lot of people getting bit by sharks. Well, it had not happened in New York on a New York City beach, or at least that beach, since 1953. 53. So that's a rarity. So things are happening, but the sharks have not come through the sewer system yet, at least. Yeah, that's why I don't go to the ocean. I'll go to the beach, but I will not go in the ocean. I will sit in my chair, put the headphones on, read a book, read a magazine. Have a catch with the kids. So I, I will not step foot like in the ocean. 
we, sand gets everywhere. Yeah, I'm not. I I'm can not wash a big the sand, sand off. I can't do anything if I get bitten by something. See, I'd rather somebody, some kind of system where I can go from the boardwalk over the sand right into the water, enjoy the water, come out of the water, go back over the sand to the boardwalk and leave. But as we've discussed in long form on this show, you have no hesitation to go back to the beach, play catch, despite the physical problems that one trip to the beach well, left that, you with. That, well, that, that physical problem actually was not on the sand. It was on concrete. It was a, uh, a touch football game that I was playing with the kids. Okay. And I decided I was the quarterback for both teams, so I yes. decided to call for a flea flicker and tossed it back to Jared. I ran, and as I ran, my hip broke. So there's no PTSD from that, no, but the possibility fact, of a shark fact, attack. A year, a year later, we went back and finished oh, the play. Oh, we remember. Yes. We remember. So, no, I have no problem. To, I, like the, I like being on the beach. I just will not step foot in the ocean. I can't wait to be in the ocean. And I'm, I'm to be honest, I don't want anybody to I prefer to, get... to go to a pool. Yes. I prefer the pool. I'm a pool guy first, but I don't hate the ocean. And I say this, don't want anyone to get hurt. But I want to see a fin offshore mm-hmm. through the waves. Just want to see it. Now pass. I would Go. rather walk through a car wash than go in the ocean. All right. That feels like a thing we could make happen. That's a good gimmick. That's uh, mm. our next bit. <laughs> what would you eat while you were walking through the car wash? Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> With ranch dressing. That's right. And bacon. I've had enough ranch dressing. And ice cream. That's true. Yeah. That's your PTSD. Yeah, no. Ranch dressing. I don't like ranch dressing. (laughs) You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Right now, let us talk Indianapolis Colts football, NFL football with Destin Adams, who covers the Colts for A to Z Sports, and he is with us this morning here on the DA Show. Destin, it is Andrew. Great to meet you. Thanks for the time. What's going on today? I am doing well. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, It's our pleasure. Uh, Let me be the four millionth person to ask you about Jonathan Taylor. What's the latest on the Colts running back right now? Oh, yeah, the talk of the town uh, when it comes to Colts football right now. Uh, Like it was reported this week, um, he's been away from the team rehabbing that injury. Um, The plan is for him to be back in the Colts facility next week. Don't expect to see him traveling with the team to Buffalo by any means. Um, And then, obviously, things can't stay quiet on the Jonathan Taylor Colts front. uh, Early this morning, he he posted to his Instagram story those – lovely eye emojis that mean so much in the NFL world. Um, and now no one knows what that means. So that that's what we've been going through all morning today, Andrew. The ankle recovery is real. So that is on the table here. But how do we break down the reason for the absence? Like what percentage is the ankle? What percentage is 
the contract and the trade request? Yeah, I mean, the ankle's real. Um, he came back um, to, for training camp, reported um, when some didn't know if he would because of contract disputes. He did report, and when he reported, he was not able to pass his physical, um, which is why he is on the P, the pup list for the Colts. So the ankle is real. Um, everything that's been going on as well as that um, obviously makes people question that legitimacy of the injury. Um, but from everything I've heard from inside the building, that that injury is very real. Um, and it's a situation where the Colts want to know if he is healthy, um, if he's going to be healthy anytime soon from that ankle injury. And I think some of the dispute that they're going through even comes from that because the Colts actually requested Taylor to come back early to get that checked out a little bit by the team before training camp started. Um, so I think on Taylor's end, he feels like the Colts may have slided him a little bit, um, feeling like they needed to check in on him a little extra than the average player. Um, but the, the injury is real. We're, we're currently waiting to see when he is going to be able to pass the physical to get off the pub list um, to where we can see him get some action. Um, because of the new CBA, as soon as he's able to pass that physical, though, I, I expect he's going to be out, out in the field. Do you think this carries in any way into the regular season? If he's able to pass that physical to get off the pup list, I don't – I mean, I think, I think the anger will still be there, and you may not see the bubbly, smiley John and Taylor we've seen in years past, but overall, like I said, because of the new CBA – and the fact that if you hold out while being a healthy player for a team, you're going to get – during his rookie season, you'll get fined $40,000. A veteran player on his second contract would get fined $50,000 a day. But he would get fined $40,000 a day being on that rookie contract. So I just do not see a way financially for a guy who is looking for this next contract and in disputes because of money – accepting a $40,000 a day fine throughout the season. I mean, that, that adds up. I couldn't even take one day of that, Andrew. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, and then what happens after the season? Is he Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs of next offseason? Yeah, I mean, all of the pressure from the running back market right now is on Jonathan Taylor. I, I think that has intensified this entire thing, really. Um, and you, you just spoke of the two of Jacobs and Barkley – um, I think the pressure from the running back market was on them. There was a lot of people in the NFLPA from the running back side looking at those two to, in a sense, save the running back market. Neither of them were able to do so. Jacobs has no new deal. Barkley's new deal was almost looked at as a negative by people in the NFLPA um, by the fact that he gets a slight upgrade from the tag money but does not get a clause in there that does not allow him to get tagged next year. So he can still – Barkley can be right back at this next year with another tag. Yeah. Um, the Colts situation is going to be interesting because all the pressure has been put on Taylor after those two kind of swung and missed. Um, and we're going to go through this season. I think Taylor is going to play it out as long as he can pass that physical. Um, and with it being in the ankle injury, I, I suspect that he would be able to. Um, so going after the season, that's when things will get really interesting because the Colts haven't used the franchise tag since Pat McAfee. Um, so that's not something the Colts normally use yeah. when they're going through negotiations. But um, they're in a situation where they have two pretty premier players in Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor who are in contract years. And if you can't get an extension done with one of them, 
you may have to tag the other. So people think might think it's ugly now, but if a tag comes into play after the season, that, that that's when things are going to get even messier. Destin Adams of A to Z Sports with us here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Anthony Richardson starts the preseason opener tomorrow against the Bills. Um, how has the rookie looked so far through camp? Yeah, I mean, I think the high moments have been really high. I think he's had some low moments as well where he's struggled with accuracy in the in the flat a little bit. He'll sail a throw here and there. But I think every jaw-dropping moment of training camp has come from Anthony Richardson. Um, I think the arm strength is just very prevalent. You see it. Um, and I think some of these receivers just haven't been able to play with a quarterback like this. So I think you see just the shock in their world of seeing a guy that can just with ease flick his wrist and the ball goes 60 yards down the field. Um, so I, I'm excited to see him. I think all of Indianapolis is excited to see him come Saturday and we'll see how long he gets to play. Um, we saw yesterday the Houston Texans only put rookie C.J. Stroud out there for two drives. Um, I think all of us are hoping for a guy that only started 13 games in college and his big con throughout the whole draft process was he just hasn't played enough. Um, so I think the Colts know that. I think Steichen, head coach Shane Steichen has spoke to that. So I expect that we get to see him for a little bit more than what we got to see Stroud last night. Will he have a better offensive line in front of him than C.J. did last night? Oh, man. Uh, you sure hope so. I mean, <laughs> at least play-wise, because Stroud, uh, he, 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 did not, he wasn't getting any favors from his offensive line yesterday. Um, but well, we'll see. I mean, the only starter that has missed any time in training camp for the Colts offensive line um, came on Thursday, which is the last practice before the Colts leave for Buffalo. Um, Braden Smith missed practice with a knee injury and um had head coach Shane Steichen said that he expects Smith back out there soon um he didn't the thing with Shane Steichen is he he doesn't get into specifics on those kind of things so you never know what soon means um but that is what he told us is they expect Braden back out there soon so um four of the five starters are fully healthy though they have not missed a snap with the first team all of training camp so I expect that you'll see those guys out there for at least a little bit, especially with Anthony Richardson getting the start on Saturday. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. But I would expect at least four of the five starters are going to be out there. Now, we know that Jim Ursay wants Richardson to start. So do we assume he will start week one? Or is there a scenario where the head coach and GM think that he shouldn't and they actually win out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Steichen and Ballard are going to get the final say there. I mean, I think the Jim Ursay situation is interesting. I think last year um, has clouded a lot of people's judgment on that. I mean, Ursay, for the most part, is a guy that lets his head coach and GM do their jobs. He doesn't interfere all that much. Um, last year, obviously, he, he, he stuck his nose in a little bit. He Things got worrisome, and he felt like he had to take the controls back of his team. And uh, he did just that with the Jeff Saturday hire and the firing of Frank Reich and so many things that led to dysfunction with this franchise last year. But overall, Ursay has been known to, as a guy that lets his coach coach, lets his GM manage. Um, and I think that's going to be the situation here. So I think Ursay wants him out there, but I, I do not think his say is going to be like what gets Richardson out there. Now, I will say that it, it just seems like all throughout camp it's been Gardner – Minshew, come out here, take the job from Anthony Richardson um, if you don't want us to start him right away. And I just don't think that's happened. I think Gardner has been fine. I think he's been consistent throughout camp. But like I said earlier, 
every big play has came when Richardson was under center. And I just think where the Colts team's at, youth-wise, they're in a conference where quarterbacks dominate the AFC, and I think they know this. And your quarterback's big thing is he hasn't played enough in the NFL, so I haven't played enough football at the collegiate level heading into the NFL, I mean. So now you look at him, and I just don't see how they'll hold him on the sideline long. My, my best bet is I think he's a starter week one, but if he's not out there week one, I, I think it's sooner rather than later. Destin, what's best case scenario for this team record-wise? Uh, that's that's the hard one that I feel like get to ask every time. I love it. Um, so the hard questions, Andrew. Thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, I mean, best case is tough. I mean, rookie quarterbacks struggle to get wins in the NFL, even when they play well. I mean, Andrew Luck was kind of an anomaly in that sense, came in his rookie year, wins 11 games. You don't see that very often. Um, so I, I think it'll be a tough year. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say this is the best-case scenario. I mean, my, my personal prediction is they end up winning six games, seven games, um, is I kind of where I feel like they're at. I think there's a lot of different spots on the roster that they're young. They're going to have to let guys play through some ups and downs, so it may be a slow start type of thing for this team. Um, but, I mean, if everything started to get clicking, I, I wouldn't see a, a world where they couldn't get to nine nine wins um, so I, I think my range for them, anytime I've been asked about it, has been in the six to nine win range. Um, so hopefully that answers the question. It does, absolutely. Uh, last one, non-Colts related, uh, a question that we threw around on the show multiple days this week. What did you make of the Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy comments in Washington? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because Ron Rivera has, has been around the corner once or twice now, man. Like he. He, he's been a head coach for a while. This isn't a rookie head coach making that type of comment. Um, I, I feel like if it was a rookie head coach, which there's plenty of those around the league with a new play caller, it wouldn't have been a that strange of something to bring up, and it wouldn't have felt weird. Coming from Rivera, it definitely just felt weird. It did. Um, the Vietnamese situation, I mean, it's been known over the last few years how much he wants a head coaching job. He's interviewed for – pretty much two-thirds of the NFL jobs now. Um, so for Rivera to kind of throw that out there, and then uh, I think when he was trying to get out of it, the, the comment that he made that made it even more interesting to me was, well, he's never been a head coach before. Well, well, thanks, Rivera. We know that. Yeah. So does the enemy. <laughs> um, so definitely it was just seems like an awkward situation. Um, I, I think Ron is a good guy, so I don't think he meant it in a ill will type way by any means, but it definitely was a weird slip up to happen for a guy who's been a head coach for as long as Rivera has. Yeah, that's true. It, to to handle it poorly from a non novice is definitely was definitely surprising, oh, yeah. that's for sure. Uh Destin, this was this was fun, man. Thanks so much for, for jumping on. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you for having me, everybody. Have a good day. You too. That's Destin Adams covering the Colts for A to Z Sports. It's a Friday fiesta. Here's what our listeners in the Target demo are up to. You guys were great again chiming in on today's Target demo Friday meme, which is Pete as the gambler with a card-eating bear over his shoulder. We asked you... How you're listening, where you're listening, and if Pete has a problem. We were referencing gambling problem. If you thought he has a different problem, that's fine too. 
Kristen in Buffalo writes in, listening via YouTube in the car on our way to play disc golf, or as Bogus would say, frolf. Petey Pockets is the most notorious gambler in the Northeast. Thanks for the great shows this week. Hashtag Target Demo Friday. I am not a, a compulsive gambler. Maybe you're not, but shame on me for not calling you Petey Pockets more. I, it just... It's perfect. It's just perfect. Days to Burn. at Days to Burn 76. Watching on YouTube. Enjoying a three-day weekend. Hashtag Days to Burn. I am not a shy guy. Dixieland Dan is listening. Hello, Twitch gang. Got to go home tonight. Get all my stuff ready for a slow pitch tourney tomorrow. First pitch, 8 a.m. If we make the championships, scheduled to start at 1.30 a.m. on Sunday. Someone buy Pete that beard. I need more Amish Pete in my life. Hashtag Pete the Amish Bilotti. I go in a urinal, I go in the stall, wherever. Amish Pete's a good character, too. There's a lot. It's a lot to play. Leave me alone. What's the what's the scene from Kingpin? What's the line? We don't have a cow when he comes back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I milked the cow for you this morning. Yeah, there are no cows. It's a bull. <laughs> The whole house falls down. Moist pork, happy fry, DA, Twitch, blah, 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 Baltimore, blah, blah, blah. At 25 cent bets, nah, Pete doesn't have a problem. I'd love to somehow get my hands on those reports. Interns Brooke and Anna need to turn in from this week. Great job, everyone. Hashtag, have fun with your radio show. Hope you don't get eaten by a moose. Are they actually keeping logs of us, the interns? I don't know. Hope not. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, Mariana, Richmond, Virginia, on Twitch. Does Pete have a problem? Hmm, possibly, only because he's prone to bad luck. Love you, though, Pete the Body. Wake up! Ralph J. Limbrick Jr. at One Outlaw Swagger. Morning, guys. Feeling good, doing well. Listening on YouTube while enjoying an early day at work. Pete has problems, but nothing that he can't handle. Forget the bugs. Is that true? Uh, Timbo Slice watching on Twitch, standing up for the DA show with other radios with that other radio station. Move over, Kenny Rogers. There's a new chicken gambler in town. Just remember, Pete the Body, don't count your money when you're sitting at the table. See that one? I would have gotten the music game earlier. Yeah, I, I mean, considering the fact that we've done the whole thing for the last four hours. Kevin Tim <laughs> Gidry's watching on Twitch from beautiful Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Digging the sight gags. Have really enjoyed the DA-less gang holding it down this week. Keep up the great work. Hashtag Twitch mob. Hashtag zap zap. <clears throat> Whatever became of little Smedley Hoover? Welcome to the mothership. At Philly, Ohio. Listening in Hubbard, Ohio. My father, who we all lovingly nicknamed Wild Bill, was walking around with a nail in his foot Sunday through Wednesday. Wild Bill is on all the antibiotics and luckily keeping his foot. Older generations are built different. Happy Friday, all. Check your feet. I think you're an idiot. What is he? Does he know Happy Gilmore too? <laughs> That's a hashtag that needs to get some steam. Check your feet. <laughs> Check yourself before you nail, nail yourself. <laughs> there, there it is. If I could say it. Um, 
Epic fail time? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Bull dookie. And then I'll make it. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Your epic fail today is our conversation. I don't remember how it began, but it ended with us walking through some bad TV. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Do you think that we need a network-wide moratorium on eating bits? It feels like they're coming fast and furious recently. I feel like there's a lot. It's a lot, right? There's a lot of them. <laughs> We're going to let it breathe. Let it breathe. It's like but cop shows. But cop shows make millions of dollars. <laughs> and I also... Very different. <laughs> I'd rather watch 18 cop shows than 18 food bits on radio shows. Potato, potato. Same thing. Yeah, you give me the first 48 marathon, I'm in. But I don't need to watch another person eat hot wings or a full jar of this or whatever. Crunching and munching. And judge shows, too. Never, never, never could get behind a judge show. I could. They're too, stu- they're too stupid. I never understood, like, do they, does this really count? Do I really owe you $5,000 if we leave here? They were too fake for me. A small claims court. Yeah, I just, no thanks. You're an idiot! What about uh, family disputes? No, because even that at some point, like, there was, I saw one where, like, it was, like, phobias. Oh, and he yes. just kept bringing out yes. what people were afraid of. <laughs> And some of them were odd, and you're like, why? Green you... olives was right. one of them. <laughs> and that lady almost died. Bring out the olives. <laughs> and that was funny for a little bit, but then I'm like, she's going to die over green olives. It's funny. It's not. She can't how die. Mu- how much of that was staged, though? It's I so would hope ridiculous. all of it. But again, give me a below deck. Any any version, sailing yacht, down under, straight below deck, and I'm there. Oh, but sailing I, yacht stinks. Sorry. I don't need Judge Judge Whopper. Whopper. <laughs> I got the end in there. Whopper. I got there. He's in the the Judge uh, Show Hall of Fame. It, it should be him alone. Judge Judy and Doug Llewellyn. <laughs> Doug Llewellyn, him, Harvey Levin, and uh, Judge Judy. Do we need to retire, by the way, Detective Milkshake? And if we do, do we <laughs> introduce Judge Whopper into the mix? Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Judge Whopper. We've got that. We've got Amish Pete. And hashtag check your feet. It's been a productive four <laughs> hours this morning here on the DA Show. And it's just about over. Thanks again to Pete, to Cap to Botcher, to Schwartz, to maybe Emmanuel, definitely Boyle uh, for hanging out this week, getting me through these five shows. DA triumphantly returns on Monday. I'm headed for vacation. I'll miss you guys. Have a great week. See you on Monday the 21st. Uh, Thanks to our guests this morning, Destin Adams, and to Mark Daniels, the voice of UCF football. Uh, It has been a pleasure hanging out with these for these five days. Enjoy the boss when he comes back on Monday. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Everybody be safe. Have even more fun than Pete's having right now. Playing catch with his mini beach balls with Ryan. That is how the mothership disconnects. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.